My Car Guru, episode 199. Welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. This has been such a cool day for me. Not Well, cool temperature-wise, 37 degrees in East Tennessee this morning. Um, but cool from an old car standpoint, as soon as I got to the dealership today, there was a gentleman who was asking for me, and I went up and met him. He looked to be in his, I don't know, mid to late 70s. Not that I'm judging. But uh, he said, would you be interested in a car that I have for sale? And I said, sure, what is it? And he said, a 1959 Chevrolet Corvette. Well, I like that body style. So, you know, he drug out some pictures, and we looked at it, and, and it's, uh, you know, he's had it for about, I think he said five years, six years, bought it from some doctor out of Knoxville, Tennessee. I said, well, you know, let me ask you a few questions. Now, folks, this is what you do to kind of get at the truth on an old car as far as condition. I said, number one, did you see my Mustang in the showroom, my 66 Mustang? Yes, I, I see that. I said, is it that good? Does, does the paint and everything look that good? He says, well, from 20 feet away it does. It, it, it's really not quite there. So that gives me an idea. I start asking questions about the paint. You know, how old was the paint? He said, well, I bought it that way. Do you have any history on the car? No, no history. Uh, do you know if it's the original motor on the car and, and drivetrain? Well, it, it is a four-speed, and it came that way. It did come with a, with a uh, 283 V8, but it's not the original 283 V8. Okay. So that hurts it. Do you have both tops? He said, yes, I have both tops, the soft top and the hard top. Well, you know, the next thing to do is to go see the car. So we, uh, we're making arrangements to do that. But this is, you know, the, some of the things that um, buying an old car, a vintage car, it's kind of like buying a brand new car. You should kind of know what you're going into before you uh, start making any offers. I did ask him, how would you value the car? Isn't that a lot better than saying, how much you want for it? Because it's not, you know, I'm not really making an offer. I'm not soliciting an offer. I'm just wondering how he values the car. Um, he said, well, based on what I've read and all this stuff and seen in advertising and things, that gives me another clue. Um, the car ought to be worth around 70000 shouldn't it? Well, in my mind, you know, I'm not thinking that. Um, so, but I've got to do the research. But I'm not going to show disrespect to this man and his car. I haven't laid my eyes on it, haven't touched it, you know, felt for tape lines and looked around the windshield and the door jams and um, analyzed the VIN plate myself, looked at any paperwork that he has. So there's all this interesting stuff i got to do. Also, um, I was on the Bring a Trailer website. I saw this car. I, I was wanting to bid on one. I don't know, maybe it was a year ago now. It was a uh, 1985 Ford Country Squire station wagon. Now, you all remember, well, maybe not all of you remember this. My middle child, Abby, was born in 85. Um, and I just I think about how far cars have come since then, mostly in good ways. But this was a Country Squire wagon, had the... It was kind of a baby blue color, which I had not seen, and that kind of appealed to me. Not my favorite color, but it's unique. You know, that's what makes it special. Had wood grain, you know, the fake wood grain all the way down the side, velour seats, um, and they were real cushy-looking velour. Not, you know, not the uh, pillow seats like you'd see in a, uh, you know, Electra 225 Buick or something, but they were very, 
It looks like something that if you if you were trying to scoot across the seat, you would probably get stuck, like Velcro. Loaded up with equipment, power seats, had the little jump seats in the back and the tailgate that swings out. Said it had 27,000 actual miles, and there were a lot of questions on bring a trailer in the comments section about that car as to whether that was legit or not. But I took a few looks at the uh, underside of the car, and I, I was willing to accept it had 27,000 miles. The documentation proved it out as well. So I started bidding on the car. And, uh, you know, my number in my head was 18,000. I did get up to, I think my final bid was 20,750, 20, I believe. And, and a guy that really wanted to hit it at 22,000. And then all of a sudden, logic kicked in. My emotional side said, buy it, bid again. My logical side said, don't you dare buy that car. And so that was the stronger voice in my head. So that's what I went with. You know, just thinking, reflecting back on on 1985, you know, right now there's no more big cars. Um, I mean, even what they call big cars aren't big anymore. Uh, externally, I mean, I guess they have probably as much room or more room on the inside. They figured that out. Uh, there are very few wagons. I mean, a wagon, you talk about a niche vehicle, unless it's a Subaru. I mean, you don't see many wagons. Uh, I think uh, Cadillac built a CTS version uh, wagon, uh, version of their CTS. You know, I'm sitting here trying to think of anybody else that actually builds a wagon. Um, but anyway, no, there's certainly no wood grain. I don't know. Does somebody put wood grain on cars? You know, back in the 80s, it was all about pinstripes. That was a big deal. Uh, body side moldings, you know, all kinds of stuff. You know, we would actually install body side moldings on cars. Can you imagine taking a drill and just going into the side of a brand new car, putting in body side moldings, you know, drilling about five or six times on each side and using pop rivets to hold them on? Isn't that just horrendous? Nobody would do that now. I'm looking out in my parking lot right now. I don't see anything that has body side moldings. It's just not proper as far as design anymore. Don't see vinyl tops anymore either. That was a big thing back in the 80s. You know, it made me think about what we, when we went to the hospital, Abby was uh, born in September of 1985, and, and I took her, or took her mom to the hospital and brought her home from the hospital in a Chevrolet G20 van that was a full-size, low-top van. It was a conversion van uh, built by StarCraft. Remember those? Oh, my gosh. We used to sell probably 50 conversion vans um, every spring and summer, and, and a, you know just a sampling of them through the fall and winter. Uh, it was definitely a seasonal vehicle, but we sold a lot. We had high tops and stuff. We had competitors. There's a guy up, up the road that was a lot bigger than us, and uh, they probably sold 200 to 250 conversion vans a year. That's pretty much gone, too. You know, you see them convert transits, you know, the big Ford Transit, Mercedes, they, they do some conversions on those, and mostly are, they put a like a Class C motorhome. Maybe it's not a Class C, but it is a a motorhome that has bathrooms in them and everything now. We didn't put bathrooms in them back then. Um, but, yeah, that's what I brought her home from the hospital in, but they're gone. So a lot has changed since um, since then. A couple other things that kind of interesting. I'll just keep rolling here on my morning. I stopped. At, I got ordered a bunch of parts from Clark's Corvair in uh, Nashua, New Hampshire, 
and they, they arrived yesterday. This is a bunch of chrome pieces for my 1962 Corvair ramp side truck. Now, I have, I have had very few vehicles that drew more attention than that ramp side truck. It, is, it looks like a van body with a truck bed, and it was built in 60, 61, and 62, and then I think Chevrolet pulled the plug in either 62 or 63 because they weren't selling and they weren't very practical. But, man, it's a great vehicle to take the garbage to the road in. And also, it's a big hit at the recycling center. My wife takes it to the recycling. She says she doesn't take it for the attention. It's just convenient. But I think she she kind of gets a kick out of the old guys coming over and said, Boy, I haven't seen one of them in a lot of years. You know, a lot of them never seen them. But uh, so we're, we're fixing that up. Some I had bought this from a good friend of mine, and he had put these big, like, I don't know, camper mirrors you know, maybe mirrors that you would see on the side of a uh, an older F-150 or something, and it w- they just looked horrendous. So I'm, I'm having those removed. I'm replacing all the chrome. The door handles, uh, window crank, uh, the vent window uh, lever, they're all pitted and, and hurts my fingers when I am open them. You know, it just kind of stabs you. So I decided to eliminate those with fresh chrome, changing the wheels. Somebody put some wheels on it from a Pontiac Sunbird you know, aluminum wheels, and, you know, they fit, but they just don't look good. So I'm just going with plain wheels and doggy sh- uh, chrome doggy bowl uh, wheel covers. So I'm, I'm going to look very retro in that thing, and she'll be continue to be a hit at the recycling center. And then finally, um, my lug nuts came in. I know you guys were just really worried about this for my 1949 truck project. Finally got my wheels powder coated red. Uh, yeah, I'm putting red wheels on a blue truck. Now, that doesn't sound pretty, but wait till you see the pictures that I post online. I think you'll change your mind. But my uh, lug nuts came in, and so I had to deliver those. So real exciting morning. You know, you just don't – every day you don't have lug nuts coming in, do you? All right, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, folks, there are a lot of people that have, over the last few years anyway, have decided to move money out of – savings accounts or CDs or whatever because they weren't paying anything and they actually happen to be car lovers and have some degree of knowledge about cars and at least they know what they like um, and they have been buying things you know using their their money that's earning 0.1 percent and uh, you know investing in a car because they see these trends that have been going on you know I would love to be able to tell you that this is going to continue Right now, I'm a little bit concerned. We've seen a flattening of the curve a little bit on um, late model used cars. Um, I watch Bring a Trader real closely and uh, can't really tell much from the book values like Haggerty and NADA and things like that. I'd rather watch what's happening at actual auction sites. And to me, there's nothing more relevant or timely than the bringatrailer.com. So... You know, I'm, I'm just watching because I've got some cars that that I've been kind of holding on to, trying to decide, well, when's the right time to sell them? And it now might be that time. So, you know, my recommendation to you is if you want to buy a car as an investment, there's a couple things that you need to really make sure of. Um, and understand what, what the, what the uh, upside is, because there are certainly a lot of downsides. Number one, don't buy a restoration project unless you can do it yourself and have the time to do it. 
Uh, most restoration projects, um, they just became, become uh, perpetual restoration projects, and they become a source of antagonism within the household, if you know what I mean. Uh, when are you going to do something with that car? You know, that kind of stuff. So uh, my recommendation is buy something that's already done, buy it from somebody who is uh, somewhat desperate to sell it, and and go from there. I mean, if you have to do a restoration, finding somebody that can do it right now is a big issue. Um, and not just anybody can restore an old car. It's different. Uh, a collision shop is not geared to do restorations. Most of them won't take on a restoration because they know it's different. It's not their, there's so many different skill sets involved, different metal even. You know, they're parts exchangers. Yeah, they have to do repair, body repairs sometimes, but most of the time they're just replacing parts. Old cars, you have to make parts. You know, I'm like, for example, the fenders that are, the rear fenders that are going on my truck project. We had to take um, rear fenders from an old Ford truck and completely modify them. I had to narrow them by about 10 inches. Now, you can't just get a torch and cut out 10 inches. I mean, you've got it, all of the angles change when you do that. And so, you know, this thing had to be cut into probably 10 different pieces and then put back, welded back together and then sanded smooth so it looks like glass. There's not a lot of people can do that. So, you know, you really, you really got to know you have the right person that can do it. And more than likely, just accept the fact you're not going to make money. The only way you're going to make money is to buy something that's already done. Unless you own your own shop, buy something already done, you know, and you're able to really good get, get a good buy on it and then flip it, sell it to somebody else. Maybe you hold it for a while or whatever. Now, you really can't put a value on the enjoyment factor. You know, I, I'm one that, that will consider that. Um, I didn't buy a lot of the cars that I bought because I thought it would be a good investment. You know, I bought that Mustang out there from on bringatrailer.com, 66 Fastback K-Coat. I just wanted it. I didn't, I, well, I didn't feel like I was going to flip it, and I knew I wasn't. Was, it was a keeper. So it really doesn't matter what the value is. If you feel that way, then, you know, there's something to be said for being able to walk outside and look at something and say, you know, I'm glad I own that. Um. But if you're looking at it from taking money out of a 401k and gonna hope, hoping for appreciation, um, just don't unless you really know what you're doing because you can get burned that way as well. you got to look at what, what's the market for this vehicle. You know, there's not a huge market for 62 ramp side pickup trucks. But, you know, it's something I bought for $8,500 uh, a year and a half ago that I could sell probably today for $25,000. That's a pretty good investment, isn't it? I paid $2,500 for my 65 Corvair convertible, but that was 22 years ago. What's it worth today? Hmm. You know, it, it might bring 40000 Still not a bad investment, but I probably have $8,500 in it now because I did have to do some repainting and regular maintenance. But I wouldn't sell that car. That'd be the last car I'd sell because I just love it, and it's a part of me now. Um, so, you know, you have, there's so many considerations, but you know, if you're going to buy something to invest in like, the, okay, let's take this 59 Corvette. Well, this guy, I did a little bit of research. He said he wants $70,000 for it. It's not worth that. 
maybe to a retail buyer who really wants it, but that's not me. I told him, I said, if I buy your car, I'll help you sell your car. I'll put it on bat, take the pictures. You can pay me a percentage, like a commission or whatever. I've done that a lot. But if I'm going to buy that car and I see that the retail values on NADA or J.D. Power is what it's called now, uh, Haggerty, if I see, I'm going to look at the trend line because they give you a graph and it shows you what, what that car is doing. If it looks like it's headed up, then um, then I will pay attention and look at the prices and I'll try to back up about 20000 from that. So if I wanted to own that car, it'd probably be forty five to 50000 Now, he's not going to take that. Well, I don't think he is. I haven't made him an offer. You just never know. You know, sometimes people just throw out a number just to test the water. And if you bite, then, uh, you know, you get on the hook, they may have you. But, you know, in those kind of circumstances, when you're in using it as investment dollars, you've got to put the logical hat on and take away the emotional hat. And I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. It's just like... Just if you read something in Inc. magazine about some hot stock, are you just going to call your broker and say, hey, I want you to buy uh, 1,000 shares of this? Well, you might. That's, what my, that's one thing my dad used to do, but he was good. I mean, he, he uh, knew what to look for. I don't. I don't invest in stock. I, well, I have a lot of stock, but I, I trust my financial advisor to take care of that because he has the experience. He knows what to look for. He knows, you know, they do that analysis of how conservative you are and you know, are you willing to take chances? They look at your age and all that stuff and take that into account. And then they buy stocks or, or mutual funds based on that, uh, that outline of you. Well, you know, you need to kind of do that when you're, when you're talking about cars. Or That's what I do for folks when it comes to, say, should I buy this? Should I buy this, uh, you know, 2005 Camaro, you know, that, because it's a Z28 and, and it was kind of rare? Well, Maybe. You know, you've, you've got to do the research and find out, you know, again, what are the, what are the, uh, what are the details on the car? Um, now, it, of course, it's a lot more important, just like this K-Code Mustang that I have. Uh, history is impeccable. I mean, this car came from California. The guy drove it for 50 years. I've got the original protective plate, the warranty book, uh, the original window sticker, the original note where his dad co-signed for him when he was 18, in 1966, uh, you know, and all of that, and plus it was all put back original, it was the right kind of car. That's what makes it valuable. It's not just uh, the car itself. It's the history. Now, one of my salespeople came up to me the other day and said, Lenny, would you be interested in this 1972 Ford Futura? I said, well, before you go any further, is it a two-door? No. Does it have a manual transmission? No then I'm not interested and I'm not being rude. And the car, you know, is just a four-door sedan. Yeah, it's, it's an antique. I mean, you can put antique tags on it and drive around in your little 72 Ford Futura. But nobody is going to want to buy it from you, and it's a bad investment. You know, is the car worth something? Yes. You know, I think the car probably, it might bring six to $7,000 but I wouldn't put more than 3000 in it uh, because it's just not desirable. There's nobody in the world, I would think, that would go out and say, you know, I think I'm going to buy me a Ford Futura today. I just have this urge for a Futura. Probably not out there. Okay, I'm going to take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. 
Well, I've had the hankering for a few weeks to have another car show. We're going to do a cars and coffee event again. The last one we did, I think it was in May, it was hugely successful. You know, that's where you get up early, you drive to Greenville, uh, you come to the AMC movie theaters right beside Gateway Ford and Gateway Nissan. Of course, make sure you wash your car first. You bring it down and you put your, park your car and you have coffee on me, and I'll be there with all of my cars. I think I might do it on the 22nd. I will, uh, that's be the 22nd of October. So I will keep you informed if we decide to do that. I would love to have uh, any of my local uh, listeners to come down and show their cars, unless you're driving a 72 Ford Futura. Even then, though, you are welcome. We The last Cars and Coffee event was just blew me away with the number of cars that came down. Uh, people drove from um, 150 miles to come to Greenville to park their cars and drink some coffee from the Creamy Cup Cofferia. Is that? That's probably not what it's called. Coffee House, maybe? And uh, to look at cars and talk and, and share, I'm going to have everything I've got over there. Wouldn't it be great if my 49 truck hauler was done by then? But that's not going to happen. It's one of the reasons you do not want to restore a car because I'm only two years behind schedule. But it will be done. I have been promised that it will be done by the end of this year, and I will be able to drive it to Amelia Island, Florida, in March to the Concours d'Elegance. I just have to decide what I'm going to haul down there on it. And I'm not hauling anything down there to sell it, just to unload it and drive it. I, I took a 60, what was that? A six, I think it was another 66 Mustang I took this past year. Fastback, drove it around. Just Oh, it just had the best time. You know, you'd see the Porsche go by, Aston Martin, another Porsche, Rolls Royce. Then here comes this 66 Mustang. And I swear more people like the Mustang than they did any of that other stuff. Because they can relate to it. You know what I mean? Okay, if I can help you with any kind of old car decision, um, you know, you're wanting to sell something, like the guy wanting to sell the 59, I'll just shoot you straight. I mean, that's the only way I do it. And I'll try to get you maximum dollar. If you want to, uh, me to sell it on consignment, I'll be glad to help you with that. If you want to do it yourself, you know, you, there's, you don't have to sell on Bring a Trailer through me. You can sign up, give them your credit card. And the way that works is uh, you pay a $99 listing fee. It's the best deal in auctions, if you sell your car, it costs you $99. That's it. It costs the buyer 5%. And um, I've sold over 30 cars on Bring a Trailer, and uh, more than that, really, because of the sales that I've made as a result of Bring a Trailer. But there's really not much risk. The, the buyer, when, when he is the final bidder, his credit card is hit 5%. So he's motivated to go ahead and close the deal. But, you know, after that, you have to to make sure that you provide the documentation, a bill of sale, a picture of the title, in the cust in the buyer's name, and then you have them wire you the money to your bank. You don't wait on checks. You know, you, you don't have them come and bring you, a, a, you know, the cash or something like that. It's best not to do that. Get the money in your bank. And once the money's in your bank, then you send them the title, and then they, they make all the arrangements to pick up the car. And I've that, done that a bunch of times. And knock on wood, I have not had a single deal fall through. Because, you know, they've got a vested interest in it going through. And I and if it you know if they back out on a deal, then I'm going to raise Cain with Bring a Trailer. So they will be banned forever. But if I can help you, call me, 
552-2020 or lennylawson2020 at gmail.com if you want to email me. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.